A new kaiju arrives, breathing fire, flying like a UFO, and saving kids. It's Gamera, the giant monster. But I'll get into I'm that guess, later. I'm guessing he saves more kids as the series goes on, Alex. Maybe to make up for all the ones he murdered in this one. But Spe- uh, speaking of our <laughs> <laughs> speaking of our new series, Alex, should should uh, the Godzilla roar be the Gamera roar in our theme song? Yes. I don't even know anymore. It probably will be. I don't, it, Just so you know, mm. yeah, I, I haven't made it yet, but the the intent is to make a new theme, and we will see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> of course, if you're listening right now, you just may have heard it. We'll see what happens. Oh man, that's amazing! Uh, as always, Alex, welcome back to Monsters vs. Men. Uh, we are the bargain basement of podcasts, and we're still trying our best to stay alive. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. And and for you for might camera. Well, hang on before you go. Yeah. If you hear yeah. small little chirping, like beep 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 beep, I have a nest of baby birds right outside my door. Uh, hopefully Why? they go. To, hopefully they go to bed soon. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. They they park they parked there. No, why do you have an? Oh, it's not like you didn't like buy birds in like a cage outside your door. No. <laughs> okay. They're free range birds. <laughs> okay, I got it. I understand. All right. Also, Alex, you know our classifications: me being the film snob, you being the fanboy. They're kind of moot now, you know, with Gamera, because yeah. we're both pretty much experiencing this. For the first time. Yes. I mean, I, until the Heisei era, I've seen all of it. And then I've seen one of these Showa era movies. Right. But I've seen, I've actually, I actually watched this movie before, um, several months ago. And then I haven't seen a single other Gamera film. So we're pretty new to it uh, overall. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, now, do you know what the general consensus online is on this movie? I don't really see people talk about it, so I didn't know. People don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> that might so, be enough to say. Yeah, that might that might tell you something right there. But before we get into the movie, Alex, I did want to read the latest review we got on iTunes from Big Cass. All right. <laughs> He says, I love this podcast. I listen to it every week after I complete a rewatch of my favorite monster movie, The Giver 2. The hosts are great. Eric's dulcet tones remind me of David Hayter, Solid Snake, who happens to be the star of Giver 2. <laughs> Alex is excellent as our guide into the world of Kaiju. Just like the ultimate hero, the Giver guides his kicks into evil doers. I can't wait for the next episodes. Hopefully they cover the Giver 2 one day. <laughs> Huge the Giver fan, yeah. right? Yeah, if I had to guess by the username and the use of Giver 2, this is actually our first guest, uh, Andrew Cassidy, who came on for 
Man, I don't even remember what movie it was. This is so long ago. It was ago. Uh, versus Mecha Godzilla two. Oh, you're right. That's what that is. What it was. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of guests, Alex, I am excited for this upcoming series. We have a bunch of awesome guests lined up that I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah. Just about every episode in the Gamera series has some guests. So. Our conversations may end up being a little bit shorter here at the beginning of the episodes. We don't have a guest today, uh, so we can kind of go on a little bit longer as we've done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in general, uh, our conversations <laughs> may be a little bit shorter. We'll still have some of our favorite segments as well. Um, we'll still have Theometer, Gwindar, Monsterpiece Theater from time to time. But we do have some awesome guests lined up. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty exciting. I'm excited to... Have everybody on. So let's get into it then. In response to the success of a small indie film by a small indie studio named Toho Alex, <laughs> rival studio Dae decided to launch a giant monster franchise of their own, starting with this film, Gamera the Giant Monster, directed by Noriaki Yuasa. Stop me if this sounds familiar. <laughs> a reptilian creature empowered by atomic radiation lays waste to Tokyo as scientists and the military race to stop it. But does Gamera bring something new to this genre, Alex? Or is this new more of a rehashed stew? <laughs> uh, it, it kind of feels more like a rehashed stew to me, actually. The, the movie definitely owes more than a little bit to Gojira. It feels almost like a carbon copy in some ways, with a little bit of like nonsensical King Kong spread on top. Uh, <laughs> and I, 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 I want to get more into that later, uh, <laughs> what, what that actually means. But that doesn't mean the movie is without merit. And I think that Gamera actually does some pretty interesting things with how it plays with uh, conventional wisdom with these the way these movies play out that I like. Hmm. Yeah. I'm interested, especially in your King Kong comparison there, <laughs> because I mean, obviously I- I'm a little bit less familiar probably with King Kong. That's our next series, but you know, there are some obvious comparisons between Godzilla and this film. Yeah. Um, not to mention the fact that you have a giant reptilian creature coming to lay waste to Japan, yes. right? But to me, some of the more interesting comparisons were between the characters. So you had Dr. Yamane and Gojira, one of my favorite characters in the series. And then all of a sudden we get Dr. Hidaka and then Dr. Murase in this film that felt strangely like Dr. Yamane until they started speaking. <laughs> and then you actually realized, no, uh, these guys really... It's weird because they go back and forth, but they really they do want to to study Gamera, but at the same time they want to destroy Gamera. Yeah, the tone is different in that sort of way, and I think that's where the film struggles a little bit is finding a balance in tones. You mentioned a King Kong comparison. <laughs> I'm curious about that, but I'll tell you another film that, in a more positive way, uh, I com- I was com- I was comparing this film to, and this is kind of a weird comparison. But it's Shin Godzilla. All right. Uh-huh. So think about think think about this. There's a constant race to find a solution to defeat Gamera. 
There's a potential U.S. nuclear strike. There's a freeze bomb that only freezes Gamera for 10 minutes, right? (laughs) Which reminds me of Shin Godzilla and their freezing solution. And then uh, there's that scene where the trains full of petroleum are launched at Gamera, which we also see something very similar in Shin Godzilla. So I'm like, hmm, Anna is definitely inspired by Gamera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shin Godzilla is actually a remake of Gamera. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know it. You didn't know it. Shin Gamera is more appropriate. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, actually, I want to go back to what I mentioned just a few seconds ago about, and I, I'm going to get a lot of my, criticism out of my criticism out of my system right now. And, you know, okay. I'm not sure if I was just too tired, but this movie feels poorly paced to me when I was watching hmm. it. I, I, no, I was pretty tired when I was watching it, but it just felt like it was almost 10 minutes too long. And as for the case... saying something, considering it is 78 minutes. 78 minutes long. Well, I mean, I mentioned yeah. that All Monsters Attack feels like it's the... It feels like it is The Irishman, three hours long. <laughs> but <laughs> this movie is not quite like that, but... I want to get to that King Kong comparison that I was talking about. King Kong has a sudden fascination with this woman that he finds, right? Well, Gamera has the same moment that makes no sense (laughs) in the context of the entire film. This kid loves a turtle. That's the only explanation for him wanting to save this kid, but... Honestly, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if he saw if he saw the kid leave the turtle outside or whatever, you would think he'd want to kill the kid, probably. But the reason it doesn't actually make any sense why he saves the kid and there's this weird relationship is that just a few minutes later, he goes on a Tokyo rampage and visibly, and they show him burn a building of people alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of nonsense to me that they decided to have this this weird little humanization moment for Gamera in the film when there's literally no payoff. He saves the kid and then you know the kid's along for the rest of the movie. He doesn't play there he's has no point in the entire film. Gamera doesn't see mm-hmm. him again and then give him a pass. Like even when yeah. the kid jumps on the, the train of petroleum, Gamera almost kills them by accident. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's a whole element of the film that does not need to be there. And it, that really kind of it really is kind of a thorn in my side for my opinion on this movie because I'm just like, you've got this element that is just completely abandoned, but then the kids along for the ride for the whole movie, and I just I don't know what mm. what was trying to happen there. So I think to- Toshio is the kid, yes, and. I actually really like Toshio, yes. which I'll mention more later on as a character. I think well, what, you, what you're seeing there is a conflict, right? There's a conflict. I, I've read a couple of, of things about the director, uh, Alex, in looking at this movie because Noriaki Yuasa, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. He is the director of this film and every other Showa Gamera film except for the next one. Right. All right. And he wanted his films it seems to me like to be more child centered right okay and and i'm guessing uh the studio daie studio they wanted more of that godzilla remake 
So there's a bit of a conflict of interest, and I think that comes out in multiple different ways. I just think the film, as you're saying, Alex, I think I'm agreeing with you, is that it's unsure about what it wants to be. And this is evident in in the characters themselves. They seem confused and conflicted throughout. Dr. Hidaka, who I already mentioned, he goes back and forth in his feelings about Gamera. He wants to study him at one point, then destroy him, then help him, then celebrate him, then celebrate his destruction. (laughs) I'm cool with conflicted characters, but I don't think the film provides us with enough adequate information to convey their complexity. I agree. It seems like the film wants to aim towards children, and I appreciate that aspect, actually. But the film also wants to have these political messages and these scenes of horror and destruction. And it's a little much that I don't think ever quite finds a balance. Yeah, it teeters on having some really interesting ideas and maybe even some decent messages. I really like the idea mm-hmm. that we actually never find out who had the nuclear, uh, the the jets with the nuclear bombs on them. We never right. find out what country. Yeah. So it just goes to show it's how assumed, much. Yeah, it's assumed it's the Soviet Union, but they Soviet Union, but they never say that. Right, they never say it. It's unmarked, and it just goes to show how big a nuclear proliferation is during this time. I like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, but honestly, the, I don't feel like there was ever a clear message that really jived with me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to hear what the director thinks on these types of things. And I feel like his voice was lost. Now, your explanation for him seemingly having this back and forth with Daye kind of makes a little more sense. But, you know, I talked I talked about all my negatives. I do want to get into some positives about this film. And I like the way that this film actually plays with some expectations a bit. Mm-hmm. I like that since, the, especially since this film really does parallel Godzilla a lot, the audience really has these expectations about what's to come next. And for the most part, the movie kind of falls into that. But every now and then, it's got this really cool surprise for you. And really, the first glimpse of that is when they flip Gamera on his back. And if you're going into this movie for the first time and you don't know that Gamera can fly, this is probably a jaw-dropping moment, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're like, oh, they got him. And then sure enough, he retracts all his limbs and jets start coming out. So mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I, I, I like this moment that we learned that this there is finally something different about Gamera than Godzilla. So now mm-hmm. they're not quite the direct parallel that they were. I like that. And we also get some pretty interesting moments that we actually never got from the Godzilla franchise. We never saw Godzilla eat. Not one time. Now, we, we saw it we saw it in King of the Monsters, but it's more of a finishing move than a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we actually never see how Godzilla eats. In this mm-hmm. one film, we see Godzilla eat fire in this really cool moment that he's consuming the fire and uh, from the weapons that they just tried to use to destroy him. And it really gives that sense that he really is invulnerable. I really mm-hmm. like that. I also thought it was interesting, at least in the moment, that he actually goes to save somebody, like the yeah. kid, even though it makes no sense yeah. at all, and it doesn't play out the way I would like. It does have some certain things that play out differently that I do like, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where the series goes yes. and how it plays with some of these elements. What directions does, does the series go in? Because we're both relative newbies to Gamera, um, we're just watching this 
in isolation, really. Yeah, we are. Um, So we don't know what comes next, and that may make our perspective a little bit different um, than some others. And I don't know what you're talking about, Alex, because Godzilla definitely eats tuna. Maybe not on screen. Uh, you know, I did. We all know. I, I did think about that. That we did. The only time we do see him eat something is when he's Zilla. Whatever. Leave it alone, Eric. Yeah. yeah. Leave it alone. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the the plot of the movie. Also, part of it confused me, and part of it delighted me. Uh, at the beginning of the film, I was confused about like the ancient stone prophecy part. Um, the stone with the waves confused me. Yeah. And I think maybe there was something lost in translation there. Uh, I believe there probably was an allusion to like Atlantis or something but that just huh. wasn't there. Um, but the references to the waves and to that stone, I didn't quite get. Um, now, I did appreciate the new ice setting, um, which could be an allusion to the black tortoise, Gembu in East Asian mythology, who apparently originates in the northern regions of Japan. Um, So I thought that was interesting. But I also, one of the parts of the plot that I did enjoy was Plan Z. Um, (laughs) What I liked about Plan Z was that I didn't know what was happening. You know, they didn't give us all these details and tell us the exact plan. It just happened at the end. (laughs) the, The ground opened up. Gamera was captured, and a <laughs> rocket launches him to Mars. We have no idea that's coming. And I will say that has to be one huge rocket and take a humongous <laughs> amount of fuel. But I did think it was pretty creative in, yeah. in a silly sort of way. Uh, I was not expecting it in any way, shape, or form. And I love that they kind of withheld that information from us so that we could yeah. be surprised by it at the end. Yeah, and that moment was when I realized this was the mystery science theater that I had seen because that was the only part I had remembered was them shooting him off on a rocket and just thinking, Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I do think that ending solution is hilarious. And actually besides the solution, I actually think the whole setup for it was kind of interesting how Mm -hmm. they get those tankers and they just have to just feed gamma for 24 hours before they get this thing ready. And I like I like that little lead up beforehand where they try to trail Gamera to the uh, volcano, and the wind picks up and the fire starts to go out. And then mm-hmm. our uh, I believe it's the uh, I believe it's the photographer uh, Aogi. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Aogi who <laughs> sets that tent ablaze, and everyone's like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> And then it ends up he, he's actually got a plan to save to save the day. I actually like those moments, but I, I do want to mention something, Eric. The, mm-hmm. the the waves that you're talking about. There's actually a line there uh, in the movie where they say the waves are actually clouds. That's mm. that's when they realize when when Gamera flies away, they realize that the waves are actually clouds. Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah. that tablet is actually saying that he's getting ready to fly. That he can fly. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I really do like that element. And I, I really, I just, I like the idea that this turtle flies because let's be honest, Gamera is it design wise in this film. Gamera, I think is a little boring, right? Ah, uh, I think, hmm, he, yeah. Oh, you don't agree. Okay. Um, I, th- I think I, yeah, he's a yeah. little boring. I think he just looks like a turtle walking on his hind legs. Uh, I think he improves in the Heisei uh-huh. era. At least I could say that. So I'm not going to stick to those guns, but, 
I, I just think he looks like a turtle. <laughs> he just looks like a turtle walking on his hind legs. I like the head design. I like the way the teeth mm-hmm. look or the tusks, I guess. They look really good, but I really want that history with that that stone that they find that illustrates mm-hmm. that he can fly. I want with that want that history explored more in another movie. Yeah. I know we may not, but it's kinda like the King of the Monsters Zilla. He has a whole backstory. I want to learn more. I want to see what happened. How did they get trapped? What happened <laughs> in the previous? What happened to the civilization that used to take care of him or did he used to work with? But I guess I'm making my own movie at this point, so maybe I should leave that alone. <laughs> yeah. Were there any like themes that you really that got their hooks into you, Eric? Because I was struggling on this one to really like find something that grabbed me. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned that scene where Gamera starts to eat the fire. And I actually really thought that was interesting. I, I like that part and I like the way that they did that. Um, but I think consumption of energy, like the, the film makes a point to go beyond um, just your standard like nuclear energy or atomic energy. It mentions fossil fuels, right? And, and really another key tie-in to that whole idea is uh, Dr. Um, the, the professor, Dr. Morase, yeah, he also he has a quick allusion to Plato's writing, right? And Plato, he's, he says Plato writes about a creature who eats fire. Now, I, I did a little bit of research on, on that because I like, I, I think Plato's interesting anyway. And so I was, I was trying to figure out what is he talking about here? I don't think he's necessarily talking about a creature who eats fire, but Plato does write about Prometheus who steals fire uh, from the gods, right? Right, um, and and that's kind of an interesting symbol, I think, for technology and in this case for energy. And I think that's an interesting idea that I wish would have been explored more. It was only just touched on here, but I also liked another thing that I liked was how we kind of get adult life versus child life. Um, so we have Toshio who has these expectations. Um, of the adults around him uh, that that he wants to be understood. But really, he's a pretty lonely kid, right, that doesn't have any friends. And so he pushes kind of his own ideas and his own reality onto the things around him, including Gamera. At one point, Toshio says, Gamera's lonely and doesn't have any friends. He's pretty much just talking about himself at this point, right. you know. <laughs> right. Um, and the adults around him uh, try to kind of take away from his passion a little bit. And what's his passion? It's just turtles, turtles. <laughs> which is fine, right? That's that's a fine passion to have like for a ten-year-old kid, right? Um, but I think I think it's interesting. I want to see where where the series goes with that because I I, I think that's the aspect that was intriguing me is who who's right in this situation. You know, the kid who is just really passionate about this thing that he's passionate about, or these, these adults who tried to uh, hamper his passions and his expectations. Um, hmm. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that as the series progresses. Maybe it's a metaphor for the director's feelings on the movie. Which is created. The go. adults are the studio executives and he is the child. Potentially, potentially. Well, you know, another thing that I didn't really like was Toshio's reaction at the end of the movie. <laughs> to me, to me, when Gamera is launched into space, 
he's not going to live on Mars. That's the nice way of saying he, he's going to space to die. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, I know they, they talked about launching him to Mars. Yes. But, but... But, and I guess launching him in a rocket in the first place is pretty improbable and impractical. So anything's <laughs> possible. <laughs> yes. But I also feel like he's just in this metal capsule that's being launched. Well, to he is, but he's going to suffocate. Oh, definitely, definitely. But but Toshio, I mean, that speaks to his like childlike thing. Like he doesn't realize that Gamera's just going to suffocate and die and turn blue. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's he also thinks he's still gonna be alive? Which he could, you know, we do have a Gamera series, so maybe he lives. Yeah. And well, here's the, here's the other interesting aspect of that, Alex. As I'm thinking about it, is you know, Toshio does also make the remark at the end of the film about how he's really getting into this uh, science base, right? Yes. And he's like finding this new passion, and he's he's learning and and kind of gaining this community of people that he's admiring outside of his own turtle, you know? Yeah. So it's like interesting that the kid's passion is moving onwards and maybe that plays a role in him accepting that Gamera is gone forever. Yeah. For now. That's interesting. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. it, that's an interesting little thing to notice. I, I do like that. Okay. Okay. Well, before we get into our next segment, Alex, um, real quick, Let's talk about MVM Plus for just a second. If you want to support the podcast, one way to do that is by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. Even at the lowest tier, you can receive regular bonus content. Last week, we discussed how we came up with our Godzilla rankings, right? We, we didn't yeah. talk about that on the episode. We just did our rhymes. Um, but there, we actually hash out our rankings a little bit. We talk about Alex's thoughts on, on the latest Hellboy movie and my own progress on Ultraman. And this week we're going to discuss um, Junkie XL, who was just released uh, or was just announced as the composer for Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, details of PlayStation 5. I'm wondering if you're going to get that, Ooh. Alex. And also our favorite film scores of all time. Ooh, how exciting. There's but, some good ones. But before we get into our awards, Alex, yeah, it is time for Gwindar, Gwindar, Gwindar. <laughs> all right, Gwen, we're gonna watch Gamera. All right. I direct the puppies. Yeah, the puppies. That's that's what we're here for. It's the puppies. All right, here he comes. He's coming from the ice. What did the we? Did the time? She held the time. She looks like a dinosaur. He looks like a dinosaur. That demo was holy. No, don't 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 be too loud. You're gonna damage people's hearing. She turning underneath the ice. That's right. Oh no, she turned the black ice. Oh no, the What's gonna happen with the boat? I don't know what's gonna happen with the boat. Uh oh. 
Yeah, he's his ice ship. You see his fire? Yeah. Was that fire scary? Yeah, the fire scary. All right, Gwen. He, Gamer just fell off the cliff. He's on his back. Oh no! You have to stop. Is he stuck? Is that what you said? Yeah. You have to stop. Yeah, he's got to get up. Yeah. Oh, Gwen, what's happening? What's he doing, Daddy? He's spinning. Look at that. Oh my gosh, is he flying? Yeah. She turned in form. Look, Gamera's flying. Good job, Gwen. Thank you. But uh, I guess that brings us to our awards, Eric. And I'm going to go first with our coolest okay. character award. I'm going to go with Toshio because he makes a giant turtle fall in love with him. And he has turtle <laughs> passion. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Gotta love that turtle passion. <laughs> What's not to like? <laughs> no, but he does have some good growth. And the conversation with you really does show that he grows, even though I do believe you could cut his character out completely and this film would not be affected whatsoever. <laughs> mm. Well, I think you could cut the film. I think you could cut him out. And I think I would like the movie less. I think I would um, think it makes more sense. Really? Yeah. See, I think it would, might make more sense. But if you cut Toshio out of the movie, then you just have a Godzilla ripoff, in my opinion. Like, there's really not anything else there. Hmm. Yes. But I think his inclusion like, makes... Toshio's the heart of the movie. He's the heart of the movie, man. Is he? I think. I mean, he comes in like 45 I... minutes into it, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> like he, 30? he comes in about 15 minutes into oh, the movie. Oh, now that's some BS. No, he comes in 15 minutes into... You're, Maybe... I'm defending your cool character right now, Alex. <laughs> this, this, movie, this movie felt so long, it Why? felt like he came in at the two-hour mark. I'm no. kidding. It didn't feel that long, but... Uh, he, you're probably he, right. He comes in at the 15 minute, about 15 minutes into the movie. Right. He's there. But here's and, my thing is I think, even though he's my favorite character, my coolest character, Eric, I don't think he has an impact on the story. That's the thing. So maybe he has an impact on us because you and me both like him. Right. But I think he has no visible impact on the story. Uh Oh, did I lose you? No, I'm just <laughs> thinking about how wrong you are for a second. <laughs> I really don't like. He has nothing to do with Gamera. I mean, he gets saved by Gamera. Mm-hmm. Gamera never has anything to do with him ever again. He even almost kills him at one point. Gamera shows he, that he is yes. completely merciless, murders everyone I, possible. What about? Hang on, hang on. What about that that moment where it's basically because Gamera saves Toshio. Okay. Uh, Toshio and his sister then become Gamera Defenders. Okay. And because they become Gamera Defenders, they convince Dr. Hidaka and uh, Professor Murase, they convince them to uh, contact 
the military to prevent that nuclear strike. Yeah, but the nuclear That's strike wouldn't have hurt Gamera, though. He'd just been like, oh, yeah, steroids. It but that makes that's an impact on the film. For yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't buy it. <laughs> <sighs> oh boy, this is a this is a, a Finn and and Last Jedi question. Uh, you could cut out his part too, and it wouldn't matter. Anyway, Eric. Anyway, <laughs> what about yours? My my coolest character is Ayagi. I think you say it. He's the photographer. Yes. <laughs> right. The tag along photographer who I think he does. Now you want to talk about a character who really doesn't do much until the end. He actually does play a crucial part. Yes. This character doesn't do anything except bring comedy, <laughs> in my opinion, into the film. You know, the first time when he talks about the um, how uh, what's her name? Um, is it uh, Sakurai? Right. Yeah. Um, Whenever he talks about her being his goddess of fortune. Oh, yeah. You're kind of like, oh, that's cute, <laughs> you know. And then he brings it up again. And both uh, Sakurai and Dr. Hidaka are like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, this guy is still with us. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> but right. then, of course, then, of course, they're defending him um, and, and allowing him to be where others haven't been. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. He's he's humorous, but then at the end, he also plays a major role in luring Gamera when he sets the village on fire, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. He does and play a major role. Yeah, he does. He does. He, he's a pretty good character. Um, what about your most memorable line award? So my most memorable line award really comes because of its delivery. Uh, and it's, I don't know, sir. Looks like a huge turtle made its appearance. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the the military uh, guy who's just receiving like a message about what's happening. And it's just so random. And the line is delivered with just no sort of emotion whatsoever. Just so matter of factly that it's just made me laugh out loud. What about you? (laughs) I think mine's got to be the Inuit or Eskimo man. I think he's being quizzed about what the tablet means. Uh, I think they mentioned (laughs) that they're asking if it's waves or not on the thing. And he goes, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyhow, very frightening. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Alex. That yeah. was actually pretty good. I sounded like I was very wow. cold while saying that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what about your uh, The Can't Believe That Acting Award? Actually, I'll go well, first. I don't think I can. Okay, go for it. I don't think you can emulate that acting again, but who, who do you have for your award, Alex? Uh, I got uh, Junichiro Yamashita as Ayagi, and I think he does a really good job selling his role. Like you mentioned earlier, him him being on the plane with them, talking about her being his good luck charm, kind of makes him a little charming. He's he's kind of you could tell he's the humorous part of the movie, and then his crucial role at the end of the film really really sold sold him to me that he can he just sells the role i be, i believe that he was goofy and then i believe that he would come up with the idea to set the entire village on fire <laughs> yeah no i yeah i bought it i bought it as well um it, it, your choice is interesting alex because you chose my coolest character i'm choosing your coolest character um and i'm choosing yoshiro uchida who plays toshio um I think, ah, yeah. as a kid actor, he does a good job. That does 
a really good job. I think about that one scene, which I actually just think is a good scene uh, in the direction of the movie as well, where Toshio is looking for his pet turtle, um, Pee-wee in the translation, but Chibi, <laughs> yeah. you know, is what he's saying. And, <laughs> and there's Pee-wee. these different cuts. Yeah, there's these different cuts of him acting in this actual like childlike emotion for his lost turtle that I genuinely felt for him. So, and yeah. that's like really the only time where I felt much emotion in the film. So I had to give it to him as a young actor. Yeah, for sure. He does. He does a really good job. He really does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about your standout effect award? To me, it's the first time we see Gamera eating fire. It's just really cool. I, I think how they did it was they basically had a flamethrower in Gamera's mouth. And they shot the, the the scene with him shooting fire. And then they just reversed that to Correct. get that effect. <laughs> and I, th- I thought it was a clever idea and really cool and well executed. So I had to go with Gamera's fire eating. What about you? Yeah, uh, I actually would have had Gamera's fire eating as well. And I did on a separate set of notes that I accidentally did instead of these notes. Um, so since you picked that one, I'm actually going to go with my other effect, which was the airport destruction. That whole scene's pretty cool. And that's another example of them subverting the expectations almost, where he takes mm-hmm. the top of the control tower off. He, you think he kills everybody that's in it. There's that shot of everybody inside of it. And then he takes the top of the control tower off, and it turns out everybody's still alive inside. And then mm-hmm. he just slams them <laughs> over the top and destroys the entire airport. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's almost humorous in a way. Uh, but I really like that scene. The way they make that airport explode in particular is like a pretty good uh, effects. It was a good explosion. <laughs> I was like, wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there were there were some standout destruction scenes, I yeah. thought, for yeah. sure. I think, I think um, the miniatures and a lot of the destruction, I think the effects in general were really well done. Actually, yeah, I I don't have too many complaints at all about the effects. And I think I even like the design of Gamera more than you. um, Yeah, for sure. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award? Uh, You know, I like a good burning city, Eric. And that's what I get here. You know, Gamera goes and destroys Tokyo Tower for no reason other than maybe it's blocking his view. And then he destroys the city, sets several civilians and probably children on fire. But he doesn't care about those children. He just cares about that one hanging off the lighthouse. But anyway, this is long shot of him with the city burning. And there's a silhouette behind him with Tokyo Tower falling down. And just everything is burning around him. And it's just a really cool scene. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Or shot. Yeah. Um, for me, it's when Gamera's at the... It's like an oil refinery shipyard type of place where they send the petroleum trains down at him. Um, I just like that there's so much happening in that scene. At the same time, you've got those trains. Um, You basically see Gamera in his full form. And there are just these explosions happening in the background. All of that together made it a a really uh, cool shot for me. So I had to go with that one for my, oh, that's a good shot award. Oh, nice! Yeah, that that's a that's a good one. I, I like that whole scene, even though it's a it's a little goofy. Just having a, <laughs> a turtle stand there for twenty four hours and eat. Uh, I do like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are several little things like that that I thought just were kind of unique touches. Um, they were goofy, like the freeze bomb. 
for example, yeah. that only froze Gamera for 10 minutes. Goofy, <laughs> but also at the same time, like kind of clever and yes. unique and built some tension. Uh, so I, I like that. I, I like the idea of the freeze bomb. I did too. And I like the effect they did on the suit. You could immediately oh, tell man. how that it was working. It's pretty cool. I, again, the effects in this movie, even though I'm not a big fan of the Gamera suit, it all looks really good. Uh, I, yeah. I will say I was pretty, I was very impressed with these effects and black and white. I'm sure helped with that. Just like it usually does. Yes. <laughs> but I, lo- I love black and white, even though I think the transfer I was watching was a little darker uh, at places. And it was kind of, it was hard to see certain things. Oh but, yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking the arrow box set Oof. is going to do me a favor with this one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to rewatching these when that set comes out because I've got the Blu-rays of all of these, but they're not great quality. I feel you. Well, that brings us then, Alex, to our rating and ranking. You can probably guess where I'm going to rank this film in our Gamera series overall. It'll probably number one. It's at the top <laughs> and at the bottom of my list right now. <laughs> but let's get into our rating then. All right. So I think Gamera is a flawed but fun film. It's one that takes that owes a lot from the original Gojira, but I think it also attempts to be its own self by centering its themes in a more child-friendly way, or at least attempting to. To come back to Plato, who I mentioned earlier, he said the measure of man is what he does with power. And Gamera, I think, clearly wants to say something about humanity's use of power. But like its own characters, it can't seem to formulate a coherent message. Fortunately, I still found those characters, uh, especially Toshio and Ayagi. Were, they were both innocent in a way that really made me interested in their stories. Right. Gamera, as a monster, I think it has real potential to grow on me. I thought about giving this film a 3.5 out of 5 at first, wow. but instead I'm going with a 3 out of 5 because consider the time period as well. Alex, to put this in comparison, a year before this movie, Mothra versus Godzilla debuted in 1964. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you think about that, uh, it puts some things in perspective. To me, this movie actually reminded me in a lot of different ways of Godzilla Raids Again in its artistry, technical ability, and that strange mix of tones that we talked about. That goes all the way back to our conversation in the second episode of the series where we talked about the weird mix of tones in that movie as well. But I think all that together, I gave Godzilla Raids again three out of five, and I said I actually liked it. Like I, I do like the movie. I'm giving Gamera three out of five. I do like the movie as well. What about you? I think you really do make an interesting parallel with Raids again. Uh, it definitely feels a lot closer to that film, like you said, with the in- with how inconsistent it is. And this is definitely a series trying to find its own unique voice while imitating something else. It has interesting ideas. Gamera's revealed to be a flying turtle would definitely have been a shock <laughs> to audiences at the time. I especially like the airport scene that I mentioned and the way Mm -hmm. it plays with the expectations there. There's a lot of good things happening here, but I think the film actually fails a lot. The child element could have been completely cut. It makes no sense when 30 minutes later, Gamera is completely annihilating an entire city for essentially fun. And Mm -hmm. it, 
it's he even has one moment moment shown to be burning people alive, immediately ruining any sort of compassion or anything you could have for this creature. I also think the pacing is off. The film feels like it's and it feels like it's just taking too many notes from other films while hmm. not spending enough time establishing its own identity. It does lay the groundwork for a franchise, though, with some interesting abilities and interesting ideas for Gamera. But I hope they take the time in future movies to develop a decent story and more memorable characters. Because Gamera was a little bit of a letdown for me. I gotta give this a 2.5 out of 5. Alright, alright. Yeah, we'll see how the rest of the show era goes, (laughs) Alex. Um, Well, I think there'll be some ups and downs. Uh, along the way, but overall, I, I've I've heard some some negativity out there on the interwebs. Yeah, that I'm not sure you're aware of. Oh, I'm very aware that <laughs> it gets pretty rough. I, and you know, I am thinking about rewatching Gamera just to see if I can get. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 maybe I, I'll enjoy it more this time around, but. I like I liked it. Like I genuinely liked it, and I think it's there's a charm to it. There is that, a, there is a charm um, to it. Is there? But that charm is only there because of Toshio, Alex. So if you take those moments out, this this film to me it actually is less. Like I would rate this a two point five or a two instead of a three. See, I, I like Toshio, but I actually think I liked Aogi more in terms of like him my enjoyment of the movie. I don't know, man. I just, I like Toshio fine. I just think the saving of Toshio doesn't Mm -hmm. really, it, it, it starts to paint Gamera as this different type of monster, right? Cause it it subverts your expectations, but then there's no payoff for that. Like, yeah. Okay. So Toshio did maybe end up saving his life in a way or changing the course of history, but there's no payoff in terms of the monster himself. There's no deeper level. I do think if you take Toshio out, you need to develop another character more, a yogi. Yeah. One thing that you mentioned, the film feels a weird or a bit weird in its pacing. I don't know if I agree with you completely there. I will say I'm not sure why we have to have two different scientists that are <laughs> kind of mirrors of each other. Yeah. Honestly. Like they could combine that character into one character and we'd be perfectly well, fine. And the, I mean, um, it's like you said, they flip flop. You have one scientist, he wants, he's all about keeping him safe and protecting him. And then he flips on his back and he's like, Oh, I can't wait for him to die so we can examine him. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's very interesting how they don't know how to feel about it either. And it's not in a way that convinces me that these are complex characters. It's a way that convinces me that the, the film doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. Either. Yeah. But what do you have for your rhyme for next week, Alex? Yeah, so here comes Gamera versus Baragon. Is it bad or are the Aragon? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> starting starting off strong with the with the Gamera series, Alex. <laughs> starting off starting off strong. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got building off the ideas of the first. Does Gamera versus Baragon become the series Paragon? Oh, okay. We will see. We'll see. It's the only film, as I said, that has a different director for the Showa era. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um. Oh, Eric, 
You got to give yes. me your weekly uh, recommendation. We're pretty awful about this. It turns out to be like a, we, a once a month recommendation. <laughs> yeah, we're bad, but we're going to get better at making sure we have our rec at the end of the episode. All right. Right. And it could be anything. It could be film. It could be TV. It could be podcast. Alex, this uh, week I'm going with the documentary. Uh, I am not your Negro. It highlights the story of the great James Baldwin. Um, and it chronicles not just black America in the 50s and 60s, but also the betrayal of black Americans in film since the 20s and 30s. I just thought it was really eye-opening, and I like seeing the history of film through that lens. Um, we talk about today as if like this is a revolutionary time. Yeah, I mean, it is revolutionary, but it's rooted in history. Uh, and I think we're just so quick to forget our history sometimes. And this really kind of brought me back um, to this ongoing struggle that we've seen in our country. So I thought it was a really uh, well done and interesting picture. Mm-hmm. All right. What about our social media? Um, you've got a flow with this. I'm going to let you do it, Eric. Oh, you just like my flow. Yeah. I like your flow. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Yeah. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Alex Cornett and Eric Neely. You can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive regular bonus content. If you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really helps keep us going. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs>